Welcome to the Cancer Youth Thrivers podcast. My name is Andrea Wilson-Woods, and I'm the CEO and co-founder of Cancer U. Join me each week as I interview cancer patients, caregivers, survivors, and providers about their cancer journeys. You're listening to Cancer Youth Thrivers, where real people share true stories. Marcy Greenberg-Cox is the author of Mommy Has a Boo-Boo, Explaining Breast Cancer to Children. In 2018, she was diagnosed with stage three breast cancer, had a double mastectomy with no reconstruction, and now Marcy is cancer-free. Marcy, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, I am thrilled and I'm so fascinated. We are definitely going to get to your books, but first, uh, take us back. Um, 2018 was not that long ago. So what happened? Yeah. So I was in the shower um, one day with my oldest. At the time, I, I've got two kids and they were one and five at the time. And so I was taking a shower with my oldest and I hardly did self-exams. And I said, you know what? She's washing up. So I'm going to check myself out. And I felt a lump and it was on my left side. Now, prior to that, so I'm, I was 40 at the time, and prior to that, two years earlier, I had felt something on my right side, and so I had my first mammogram at 38, and it ended up being a fibroid. So, of course, you know, I never had another one because they say, you know, you don't need one until you're about 40. Right. And so when I felt this, I said to my husband, you need to feel this. I'm not sure what's happening. And, of course, I had just started working out again because, you know, I had the baby. My youngest was one. So, of course, you know, you want to get that baby fat off. So I was like, oh, maybe it's just something because I overdid a weight or something. Sure. You know, not not whatever. So I anyway, I called my gynecologist, got in right away, and she felt it. She kind of thought the same thing, like maybe the fibroids moved to the other side. But she said, let's go ahead and get a mammogram and an ultrasound um, because I also have dense breasts. Well, I did. And so I did that, and when I went to go register and schedule it, I was actually scheduled for about almost a month out because I was going to do a 3D ultrasound. But something in the back of my head said, you need to get in sooner. Mm. And people always say, listen to what your head or your gut says. And so I, I called back in. I said, any way you can get me in. And sure enough, I got in, I want to say, just a few days later. Or maybe a week later. And so it was November 13th that I went in for my mammogram. And it's so crazy that you remember all these dates now, you know, after after you've gone through the cancer journey. And the radiologist came back in and she goes, do you have an, about another hour? And I said, well, what do you mean? She goes, well, there's something there. I would like to do a biopsy. And of course, you start freaking out. And, you know, the, the nurse was holding my hand. She goes, it'll be okay. She goes, you know, at least we can get you in because I've heard of other women that it might be another week till you can get a biopsy. So I said, oh, yeah. yeah, I will stick around <laughs> and, and get it done. And so, of course, you know, you remember, you, you remember everything. I remember the, the sound of the click of the biopsy and how painful it was. And I joked with the nurse and I said, you really need to have a stuffed animal or something so that we can <laughs> squeeze it when you're doing that. <laughs> so you were away for this biopsy. Yeah, you're awake for it. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So, you know, they, they numb you, they put that little numbing in them, but then, I mean, it's in there and you, you hear it clicking and stuff. And so the radiologist said to me, so that was on a Wednesday. She said, you'll probably know by Friday. 
And when she stepped out, the nurse said to me, you're going to know tomorrow, which was Thursday. So I said, okay. So that kind of gave me a little bit of relief. But then comes Thursday. I haven't heard anything. You know, I'm waiting all morning. You know, now it's the waiting. And so I called in a couple times. They still hadn't gotten the results. So around 3.30, my daughter had her swim lesson. So we went over to her swim lesson, and I called my husband. I said, you know what? It's 3.30. I still haven't heard anything. You think I'm going to call. And he goes, all right, call. So I did. And the nurse that I've been dealing with the whole time, uh, she says, okay, let me go check. I'll be right back. And she gets on the phone, and you hear those words, I am so sorry you have cancer. And I'm sitting here at my daughter's swim practice. She's about to go in. I'm in shock. I had my baby in her carrier. And I grabbed my oldest. I said, we're not swimming today. We're leaving. I started like just free. She knew something was wrong because I'm just, I was like shaking and I was freaking out. And of course, all the people in the swim were looking at me going, you know, I'm like bawling. And I get my oldest, uh, Lily, in the car. And she sees me crying. And she goes, Mommy, what's wrong? What's wrong? And, I, and I'm just crying in between tears. And I said, Honey, it's going to be okay. We're going to fix this. Mommy's going to fix it. Everything's going to be okay. And I'm just, I'm bawling. And Did you say that for her or for you uh, or both? Probably for both. <laughs> I still get teary, you know, teary, uh, just just remembering everything. But, you know, I mean, my kids are, are so small and they're three and seven right now. And it's like, I still, I want to be there for them. Um, I want to see them grow up and get married and do everything. I mean, so it's just so, so surreal. And the hardest thing was I couldn't tell my parents they were out of the country in Israel on a vacation. And, you know, I'd called my aunt. I have a brother. And so they both uh, knew about it. And we both agreed not to tell them until they got back. We wanted them to finish out their vacation. And so I had to um, not answer any of her calls and just pretend I was working because I do real estate. So I'm, I'm busy anyway. So I just said, I'm, I've got to go. I'm, I'm meeting with clients or, you know, whatever. And, and so my parents know that I'm, I'm very into, I, I work, I'm a workaholic. So they knew that that was legit. <laughs> so how I long run, before they were going to come back? I mean, how long did um, you have to? I want to say it was like another four or five days. Okay. And so, yeah. So it was hard. I mean, in the meantime, I mean, as soon as I found out, I was on the phone with doctors. I'm that type of person where I like headstrong, like we've got, we've got things to do. So here's my list. Here's what we got to do. We got to meet with doctors, et cetera. I get on the phone. I actually got into a doctor the next day. Uh, I got in with a surgeon. I got in with an oncologist. Um, I think I actually had three doctors lined up the first day. And we that's all my husband and I did. I mean, I just lined up doctors um, because I wanted to interview. I had also reached out to a friend of mine that had gone through it a few years prior. And so she was a researcher as well. So she knew what doctors were great here in Arizona. So she gave me a list of names. And of course, her doctors, but I wanted to interview myself because I wanted to feel comfortable with my team. So my brother and I had a plan that when they came back, we'd get on Zoom and I'd ask them briefly, you know, how their trip was. <laughs> well, of course, it didn't happen that way. <laughs> now, where did they live? Right. So they live in Ohio and okay. I'm in Arizona. So at the time, I want to say it was a three hour difference. And so my brother mm -hmm. got there at seven in the morning. So for me, that was four in the morning. And of course, my mom goes, why is your brother here at seven? And why are you calling me at four in the morning? Oh, so he's in Ohio with them. He's he in Ohio with Got them. It. 
Okay. And of course, oh, my boy. brother starts crying. Well, that was a big red flag. Yeah, guys. that was, you a, big, that was a big red flag. Anyway, you know, but we couldn't wait. We couldn't wait. Um, and so he, uh, he's he's older than me. He's three years older than me. He starts crying, and my mom goes, looks at, looks in the Zoom thing and goes, or FaceTime, whatever. And he, she goes, why is your brother crying? What what's going on? And of course, I said, mommy, I have breast cancer. And she just starts bawling. Um. God, it still chokes me up. <laughs> I, I'm getting you know. tears here and, and chills, just so you know. You know, and, you know, my, my dad's sleeping in bed. So, well, he's kind of still awake because they're, you know, they've just gotten back like that the day before. And my dad's going, what's going on? And she goes, Marcy has breast cancer. And then she starts blaming it on herself because she, she smokes. She's, well, she's a smoker. She goes, it's because I smoked. And I said, mom, that's not why. <laughs> I said, it's probably because I ate so many sweets. I love sweets, <laughs> you know, and we joke because cancer, you know, sugar holds on to that can. It goes after that. Um, oh, yeah. After cancer the sugar. And so, sugar. Yeah. I mean, that's my weakness. I love sugar. And I'm not going to deny myself that either. Uh, knock on wood. I've, I've made it through cancer. <laughs> so I said, you know, even my doctor agrees, just do it in moderation. So I got through, you know, so they that that I told them and then there's snowbirds here in Arizona anyway. And so they, okay. they have a house around the corner from us. And so they were here for a year. They flew in and thank goodness I had them um, because on the weekends I ended up doing a double mastectomy. We ended up doing the surgery first because, because I was estrogen and um, progesterone positive and HER2 negative. And so, Could you explain what that means for people who don't know? So, if I can remember exactly everything. So, um, <laughs> yeah. this terms is good. That's right, fine. right. So, um, ERPR positive, it's a hormone based. And the HER2 negative, I'm not exactly sure, but I also got my genes tested, my genetic testing. And so, that's for the BRCA gene. And so, I was very lucky it was negative. Okay. And so I had that choice of a lumpectomy versus a double mastectomy, but I also was able to save my ovaries. I did not have to have a hysterectomy. And because with a BRCA gene of my understanding is that it could also go down to your ovaries and have ovarian cancer. So they do say sometimes if that's the case, you might have to just get rid of everything. Right. Yeah. Right. But you didn't have the BRCA gene. I'm sorry. No, I did not. I had, it was right. negative. It was negative. Right. I did have another mutation, which we're not really sure what it entails. So they want me mm -hmm. to get checked again in five years. Um, but as far as the BRCA gene, that also helps tell you if you're going to just need to do that double mastectomy. And so since I was negative, I had that choice. But my gut and going back to my doctors, I said, listen, if it was your mom or your daughter or your sister, I said, what would you do? And I knew what my gut was telling me. I, I was 90, pretty much 98, 99% sure I knew what I was going to be doing. And they said to me, get rid of them. Mm. And I knew I did not want breast implants. I did not want a foreign object in my body. I also, there's that breast implant illness that has been going around. And I knew, I just, I didn't want that. Now, there's also another surgery you could have. It's called the deep flap. And that is where they take the fat from your abdomen. Um, they could also take it from your legs or your back. And they would make breasts out of your own skin. Okay, that's kind of genius, I have to say. 
<laughs> it, it is. It is. However, if it works, if it works, it's kind of it works. And and a lot of people, I I know women that have done it, and it's great for them. It was a 13-hour surgery. What? So that one that scared me because I did not want to be under for 13 hours. Right. Um, I was on a support group site on Facebook because I wanted to hear from women that have gone through it. And so they had, um, I think it was wound vax or, I mean, they, some sometimes the skin will fail. And the plastic mm-hmm. surgeon even said to me, if it fails, we can't redo it. You're going to have to have an implant. So that also was a red flag to me because I said, well, what if it doesn't take? I don't want that implant. And I saw all like the wounds um, opened up or they weren't healing correctly. Then you still have to do fat grafting to make sure that they're even, um, maybe take some more fat just to smooth things out. So it was more surgeries on top of that one initial surgery. And I just, for me, it wasn't worth it. I just could not fathom going through so many surgeries over and over again to get to get that right. And I was small anyway. I was probably a 36 barely B. <laughs> I mean, I barely fit <laughs> I barely fit into that cup. So, for me not to have any breasts was really not a big issue. And so, um even my surgeon said to me, she she asked me, she goes, "I think you're going to regret not having breasts." And I said to my doctor, I said, "I'm not." I showed her pictures and we recommend this to all women who want to stay flat is show your doctor the pictures of what you want to look like. And we're very open. I'm on a lot of Facebook sites and I've done YouTube videos throughout my entire journey. And I ended up showing what I looked like flat. And I'm, I'm very open. I, I want to help other women in this case, but you've got to show your surgeon. This is what I want to look like. This is my ideal. I don't want the dog ears, which means like extra skin. Um, like in the armpit area. Okay. Um, I do have a slight, I have a little bit um, of like a, a dog ear, but it's not net that noticeable. And honestly, I don't care. I'm done. Cause I said no more surgeries. <laughs> um, but there are some women, especially if they have had implants and they're going to explant and stay mm. flat. Oh, sure. They've got the that extra skin. skin. Yeah. And so then they might need to have a plastic surgeon to come in and, you know, fix it up. Um, but I said to her, cause she says, you know, I can make you little mounds out of your skin. And I said, no, I don't want it. I want to be flat. I want to look like a, a, a man and just be flat. And whoa, so, whoa, whoa. I got to ask about that. That's an interesting <laughs> way to say it. It's one thing to say you want to be flat, but you want but, to look like a man. Yeah. I mean, I want, I mean, I want that flu. Now I, I did not keep my nipples, so I have no nipples. Um, I've just got two scars and she did an amazing job. She did what I asked her to do. And so I'm, I'm, I'm very flat. Um, I still need to work out because now I have that Buddha belly. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, that's COVID. We could just blame right, that right. on COVID. <laughs> well, try, I mean, it, yeah, I'm going to blame it on COVID. I'm going to blame it on my sweets. Um, but it's also the medication of the aftermath because I'm on a 10-year pill as well as every three months for five years, I have to do a shot. And oh so, my gosh. Okay. So much to digest here. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, first of all, two things I just want to note that you did that I really applaud and I want people to pay attention to. You said you interviewed your doctors. Yes. Most people don't do that. So she interviewed her doctor guys, you know, you can interview them. It's okay. It's all right. They work for you. And the second thing I love that you said was 
you ask them if it were their family member, their daughter, their wife, their, and a lot of times doctors hate to answer that question, but, but sometimes they will. Mm -hmm. And you really said, Hey, what if to get a more honest answer from them, you know, to, to get them in the moment with you. Yep. Um, but now I want (laughs) to talk about, I want it to look like a man. So I want to know why. And then definitely want to hear about after surgery, what the treatment was, and also this ongoing medication you have to take. But let's, let's start with, I want to look like a man, because that's probably going to be the pull quote from this episode. (laughs) So, I mean, because I mean, or even just, just, uh, uh, you know, a, a child that hasn't developed yet, let's put it that way, I guess. But you know you're you're flat. You you know you don't you don't have that little mound of a breast starting to form. Um, you're just you're you're just natural and just. So I don't know. I guess flat as a man. I mean, you know, um, or as a, as I would say, a child that has not hit puberty yet. Um, you've got you've just got that flatness, and it just everything is smooth and no extra skin. No Does that make sense? Skin. Is there any part of you that feels a little more secure because there's no more breast tissue? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm very happy. I mean, I'm two years out and I'm very happy with my decision because I have a whole new wardrobe, to be honest. <laughs> um, I mean, there were some things that I couldn't, I didn't feel comfortable wearing before because I couldn't find the right bra. Like those racerback yeah. shirts. I couldn't find the right yeah. bra for that. Or the bra strap would come out. And it would just bug me. Um, but now I can wear it because I don't wear anything. Um, now I do have prosthetics. And I ended up getting knitted knockers. And there are women out there that will knit them for free and mail them to you. So what are knitted knockers? So they are, um, it's a pattern that women do. It's a... Uh, it's a breast form. Oh, wow. So you can do it with a nipple or without a nipple. That is fantastic. Yeah. And then you just insert it. You get a mastectomy bra. So the bra has a pocket that you slide it right in. And I did bring this too. I ended up getting a prosthetic. So I ended up getting two of these. Okay. And so most insurances, luckily, I was very lucky. My insurance did cover this. Um, and you know, I probably worn it a handful of times. I mean, so I did, I did up having to go and, and what you do is you go to a mastectomy boutique and they'll measure you after you're somewhat healed after your surgery and they'll measure you. They'll try bras on, on bras on to make sure, you know, it fits right. And then they'll insert the uh, prosthetic in there and make sure that you feel comfortable with it. And so occasionally on, on certain outfits, I'll wear it, but most of the time, I wear nothing and it is what it is and I'm happy with it. Good for you. I, I do have a friend that said it improved her golf swing. <laughs> <laughs> it has. I mean, so I've been doing, um, I've been using stitch fix and I've still, oh. I'm using them for two years. So it's an online, uh, I do it every three months. So they will send me out outfits and I just told them initially I'm having a double mastectomy. I'm going to remain flat. I need outfits that will, you know, look right on me. 
And so a lot of things, um, ruffles are a big thing. Stripes really help that. And I mean, there's, I mean, I'll just wear plain t-shirts too. And if people look at me, then I'll tell them, you know what? I had cancer, (laughs) you know, I got rid of my breasts. Good for you. (laughs) But you know, but a lot of people don't really, they, they don't, they don't say anything. Let's go back. You have your surgery. Mm-hmm. Did you have to have any other treatment right after I that did. surgery? So okay. after my surgery, we thought we I was going to be done. We didn't think I was going to have to do chemo or radiation. They ended up taking 12 lymph nodes, and four of them were precancerous. And if if you get maybe one or two lymph nodes removed, they will send it out for the oncotype score. And the oncotype um, tells you whether or not chemo is going to be beneficial to you, depending on your score. It also depends on your age. I know 50 plus, the scores are a little different. Um, anyone under, it's like between 1 and 18. I don't know the numbers exactly, but um, if you get those numbers, then chemo will not benefit you. In the meantime, since I had four lymph nodes removed, my doctor said, we're not sending it out. You, you don't have a choice. You're doing chemo. You're young. I want you to live the rest of your life. He goes, so you're doing chemo. And he wanted to be more aggressive. So we ended up doing what we call is the red devil, which is the, which is the hard chemo, which will make you lose your hair. And then so I ended up doing four rounds of that. So it was every two weeks. I did, I did that. And then after the red devil, it's adromycin and I forget the other one. And then I ended up doing 12 weeks of Taxol. And then I think I want to say I took a few weeks off and started 28 rounds of radiation. It was every day, Monday oh, through Friday. Oh my gosh. For, yeah, I got a break on the weekends. Why so much radiation? They Why? just, they, they want to target it and just make sure even, even though the chemo, because after my surgery, they got, they got it all. I mean, my, my surgeon said, she goes, you're cancer free. We got it all. But they want to just make sure because even though they got it all, some of the cells, it could have, they still could have floated somewhere oh, sure. and yeah. they may not have known about they, and they won't know that. And so to do the chemo and the radiation, it's just more of a preventative so that they can really kill whatever cells were left, if any. And on top of that, you said you are now on a medication, um, one every three months and then one for a very long time. So yep. tell us what that is about. Why? So it's going to, it's going to put me into, um, menopause, pre-menopause. Oh, honey, welcome to my world. I know, right? <laughs> I know. So I started with tamoxifen Okay. and because I'm, I'm, was 40 and so I obviously hadn't hit menopause yet. So he goes, so that's the drug they start you on. And so I was on that for a couple weeks, I think. So I ended my radiation, I want to say, in September of 2019. I started the tamoxifen. And then I want to say in January of 2020, I had routine scans. Okay. I felt fine. Okay. But when they did the scans, my doctor calls me up and he goes, I have good news and bad news. I said, oh. okay. He goes, the good news, you're cancer free. Okay. The bad news, you have a blood clot in your lung. Now, oh I, didn't, I didn't feel a thing. I had no symptoms. 
because everyone asked, well, how'd you find it? Did you have symptoms? And I said, no, I was totally fine. He goes, you are the lucky one. One in 1,000 people have that side effect of a blood clot from tamoxifen. And he goes, out of my eight years I've been in Arizona, he goes, you're my third patient to have that happen to. So he goes, you're immediately off of that. I, he put me on blood thinners for six months. And I couldn't even get my port out. I was supposed to get my port out in December. So I was so disappointed because my husband and I were going on a trip to celebrate getting, you know, done with treatments, cancer-free. And I was so excited I'd have that port out. Um, but that didn't happen. You had a port in your chest? I had the port. Yep. 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 Okay. So I had to wait uh, six months. And then in June, of course, during COVID, June is when I was able to get my port out. But then he switched me to letrozole. And so that pill also puts me into menopause. But I'm on that pill for 10 years. In addition to that, he has me on a shot every three months called Zolidex. Now, some women do it monthly. For me, I don't know what the difference is between one month or every month versus three months. I don't, I don't know that. Um, but he has me every three months that I go in. What are these two drugs supposed to do? Um, one, save my ovaries. I think that's what the Zolodex, I think, is supposed to do. Uh, I'm not positive. I just, you know, I go with my, my doctor. I mean, I, I trust my doctor. You also have to trust your instincts, too, um, because now every bump and bruise, I think something's wrong with me. I had a ganglion cyst on my, um, on my wrist here, and it was, like, protruding. I freaked out. I didn't know what it was. And, of course, I'm like, oh, my God, I have cancer, like, somewhere else, somewhere else in my body. And, you know, and then I was doing a, another routine exam because even though I'm flat, they still say to do your self-exams. And being flat, it's nice because now I could see if there's a lump. Um, but I felt something in my armpit. And I went and I immediately called my doctor. No questions. He got me in for a scan. And luckily it was nothing. It was just, I think it was more in my head just because of whatever. And, but you know what? I don't, I don't care. I'd rather be safe then sorry, and just get checked. Yeah, so every every bump and bruise, you know, it, it now makes me nervous because now I don't I don't know because even though I have breast cancer, or I did, it could still go into my blood. It could go into my bones. It could turn into ovarian cancer um, because the chemo and radiation have also those side effects too that it could go turn into something else. I, I think when the no matter how optimistic you are, when the worst case scenario has happened to you, it's hard not to think about the worst case scenario. Right. I, I totally understand. I, I really do. Um, not from a patient, but from a caregiver perspective. Um, what was your worst moment during all of this? It was probably the first weekend of my chemo. Um, because the Red Devil? The Red Devil. Red Devil. Because it, it's the unknown. I hate mm. being sick. I hate throwing up. I just, uh, I hate feeling, you know, all that. And so everyone says, oh, you're, it's going to hit you two days later. So I went in on a Friday and it hit me that night. So I was oh. expecting, oh, I'm like, okay, Sunday, I won't worry about, you know, whatever. No way. You so thought you had the weekend. <laughs> I thought I had the, you know, which in a way it was, I was glad it hit me that Friday because then I had the whole weekend to rest. My parents took the kids all weekend. So again, you know, thank goodness for them. So it was just my husband and I, and he had to cater to me <laughs> and I would lay in bed or actually I, I was la after my surgery, I laid in a recline. I slept in a recliner for probably about a month, but then, you know, I just laid around and 
that Friday, I mean, that weekend was the worst ever. I mean, I kept yelling at my husband said, call the on-call doctor. I don't know what is wrong with me. You know, like, because I had, I had Zofran, which was an anti-nausea made me more sick. Does not work for many people. And of course you hear from people, well, so-and-so it worked for this. You know what? I don't care about those other people. This is me. This is how my body is reacting to it. So I tell everyone that I talk to, everyone is different how you're going to react. And I can't stress that enough. We can tell you, hey, this is what happened to me. I have no idea what it's going to happen to someone else. Um, So yeah. they put me on a an different anti-nausea, which I can't remember the name of it. And the, de- the on-call doctor said to me, pretend like you're pregnant and get down whatever you can get down. He goes, eat applesauce that is sweet eat uh, pudding that has sugar in it. And so I did. And and then well, I, I attempted that weekend. I, I attempted to eat it. Um, I couldn't even put a spoon in my mouth because the metallic taste was horrible. I remember drinking soup with a straw because I couldn't get, I just couldn't get anything in my mouth. And my head was over the garbage can. Um, surprisingly, I did not actually throw up but I felt it. And so that, which is almost worse, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Not being able to. Yeah. You're like, you want to, but it's not, it's not. Um, so that weekend, I mean, that was probably my worst. And so I went in, I, and then I got smart. So I went in that Monday and they hydrated me from that point on. And I tell everyone I talk to, you tell them when you're done with your infusion, make sure they hydrate you. That was a, that was a game changer for me. Because I didn't get sick after that. I was maybe tired or achy, not sick. I ended up working the entire time through my chemo and radiation. Wow, really? Because you were well hydrated. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and I'm not a big drinker anyway, but they do say you you certainly need to drink, you know, your 24 ounces. But I, you know, for, for me, that after that initial chemo, um, and every chemo on, even through Taxol, because they were like, oh, you don't need to be hydrated. I said, I don't care what you think. You're hydrating me. And they did. And I said, it helped me, and I'm going to continue that until I'm done with my treatments, because that I knew that that worked for me. And then, of course, I drank on my own, because you've got you've to listen to your body. Your body knows what it needs. What was your best moment in all of this? I don't know. I mean, they say cancer changes a person. Um, I've learned. I've, I found a passion now. Because my husband always asked me, um, and I've been doing real estate. I'm going on 20, 21 years of real estate. Wow. And I still I still love what I do, but I haven't been totally passionate about it. And so my husband keeps at, kept asking me before cancer, what are you passionate about? What, what else would you want to do in life? And I said, you know what? I have no idea. And then I got cancer. And I am so passionate about helping other women right now get through this. And with especially the ones that have been newly diagnosed or the ones with children, um, and that's why I ended up writing these books. It was uh, the beginning one. It was it was a healing process for me as well because I started writing. Like I think the day I was diagnosed, I came home and I just started writing and journaling. And my children's book came out of that. And so that has turned into a passion. I've been volunteering uh, with Cancer Support Community Arizona. And I've started volunteering with My Hope Bag, which is another organization here in Arizona. And I just, I want to give back. I want to give back to the other people that have helped me as well. And so when I first launched my children's book, the portion of the sales, um, I ended up giving back to two organizations here in Arizona. And I gave some of the proceeds to them because they helped me. And, And I wanted to do that as well. And so 
I think I think that's my calling now. And I'm so it, it makes my heart happy that I found my passion again. Um, but also going through it, you know, I, I like I said, I'm a workaholic. And so I never really took time to travel. And so my husband, we love we love we love traveling. But I always say my work comes first. Well, now I've got to take a step back because I've got kids. I got to make more time for them and for my family. And yeah. so unfortunately with COVID, we actually canceled a couple trips, but um, we ended up just going away for the weekend and getting an Airbnb. And I said, you know what? We need to do this. Yeah. And so that's another thing that it kind of changes your mindset that, and, and I have in another book that I wrote, um, my girlfriend uh, actually helped me with this. Instead of your bucket list, it's a life list. Oh, I like that. So, I like that. You know, what do you want to do with your life? What are things that you want to do? And if people are in suspense, they're just going to have to wait to the end of the episode to find out what your books are and where to find them. I'm going to make people wait. Um, well, now I'm really curious, given your just your attitude and everything you went through and what you're doing now. If you could only do one thing, you only get one to improve healthcare in the U.S., what would it be and why? I mean, healthcare, I want it to be available for everyone. And I say this also because after a year of my treatment, my cousin was in her mid-30s at the time. She had just had a baby. And she said to her doctor, I've hit my deductible. I would like to get a mammogram because my cousin just went through breast cancer. And of course, they say, you know, you're not 40. And she said, again, I want to have it done. So they let her. And guess what? Oh, no. No. Yeah. She ended up with breast cancer. And again, that's, this chokes me up because this is my baby cousin. And I mean, she I, I love this kid to death. <laughs> she would never have known if it wasn't for me. You know, I, I joked with her. Uh, and I said, I know you've always wanted to be like me, but this is not the way to be like me, <laughs> is to get cancer, because it never ran in our family. And this is on my mom's side, so this is my mom's sister's daughter. And, you know, breast cancer just didn't run on either side of my family. And so for, to have my cousin get breast cancer, I mean, we were in shock. You know, I think she ended up, she ended up BRCA negative too. Um, but it's just, now it's just it's such a big thing because women are getting breast cancer in their twenties and thirties. And for doctors not to recognize that and say, Hey, if you want to have a mammogram, I'm going to let you have one. And that should be approved. How smart of her to, she fulfilled her deductible. <laughs> I right? love it. Right? Because who knows how much, I have no idea how much those things cost, but you know, but our healthcare, like that, that's our thing. I know Canada has, you know, their, their healthcare for everybody. I just wish here in the United States, that we had something very similar where everyone could get treated, whether or not, you know, you could afford it. And, and, but you need to have that opportunity, if, especially if you need to fight for yourself. I mean, I know going through, the, my PET scan was denied initially because they said, oh, you don't need it. And my doctor even got on a phone call and tried to get them and say she needs it. But they made me do the MRI and the CAT scan and the bone scan first. And then they said, oh. Now you need to do your PET scan. No kidding, you know. And so that that's what's just so frustrating with today's healthcare is that we know we need it. Let us have it. Yeah, I appreciate that. Are you ready to do the Thriver rapid fire questions? Oh, sure. Have some fun. You knew these were coming, so. 
I can't remember what they were, but here we go. All right, here we go. Uh, beach, desert, or mountains? Well, I live in the desert, so let's try something different. I'd like to go to the beach. Okay. <laughs> beach Boys, Beatles, or Rolling Stones? I like the Beach Boys. Oh, me too. What is one word that best describes you? Independent. I can see that for sure. Before you die, what is the last song you want to hear? And to go on another rampage. I mean, I, you know, I had a bye bye booby party. And so I played songs like oh. I am a survivor and God, what were some other ones? I mean, I made a playlist out of it. Yeah, I can't answer that one. I don't know because I don't want to die yet. I'm not, you know, I'm not ready. Well, I got three more like this. So okay. So hold on. Uh, last meal you want to eat? Italian. Wow. Now, see, I expected something with sugar. <laughs> Given how much you said you love sweets, I was yeah. all ready to hear chocolate. Yeah, no, um, I, I like pasta too. So. Me too. Me too. Uh, last person you want to see? Well, I love my husband, but probably my kids to say goodbyes. And the last words you will speak. I love you. Oh, I love that. And aside from Cancer U, what is a resource you would recommend for cancer patients and caregivers? But now I want you to, to talk about your books and the differences between them and how people can get them. Sure. So, well, to answer your one question, um, probably another resource is American Cancer Society. You know, that's a big one. But there's a lot of breast cancer sites on there, too. Um, but yeah, going on to my books. So my first book was Mommy Has a Boo-Boo. Um, explaining breast cancer to children. And this is pretty much my journey. Um, like I said, I wrote this I was when I was uh, first diagnosed, and it was a healing for me. And I was also looking for a book to talk about, you know, mommy doesn't have any boobies. And there was a lot of books out there that, you know, talked about mommy doesn't have any hair, or, you know, she is having a double mastectomy, but it's mainly moms are going through reconstruction. Mm. And so the book touches base on it briefly. It talks about, you know, mommy's meeting with the doctor. She's going to have surgery. Uh, she might lose her hair. Um, but mommy doesn't have any boobies. But in the end, mommy's still the same. She may look different, but she's still the same. And so that's the message, really. Um, because yeah, even, like, when you hug mommy and she doesn't have her breast, you can hug her even closer. You can hear her heart beating. Oh. So, and <laughs> that's, that's what, and so this picture here, that kind of depicts that. <gasps> Oh, goodness. Oh, gosh. <laughs> so that's that one. It. And so okay. to take off of Mommy Has a Boo-Boo, you know, because my oldest had questions. She, she still had questions. She was five or seven at she, this point. She was five. She's five. seven now, but she was five. And, of course, um, I wanted to be at everything, um, you know, every event that she could do possibly. I mean, there were some things I couldn't do, and so my husband had to take her. But, of course, you get those questions like, who's going to take me to – my dance class or my swim class. And so I wrote Mommy Has a Boo-Boo, Now What? It's a journal slash coloring discussion book. Um, like here, for example, it says, where is the boo-boo? And you've got your choices of a head, you know, a head, your legs, or is it, you know, mommy's breastfeeding, so you show the little boob. And so they can pick, you know, and you've got those discussions. You're going to have, you know, question, can I get cancer from you? And you circle yes or no. Um, of course, you're going to have that very last question. Are you going to die? To die. Yeah. But you've got I would to say have those, those are the two most common. Yeah. Sure. You've got to have those discussions because those kids are so intuitive 
And they know. I mean, my daughter still talks about it two years later. She goes, Mommy, I remember when you were crying. I remember this. And so, you know, I kind of, I had her go through this with me. And I said, do those questions make sense? And, you know, does this look right to you? And she said, yeah. She goes, and she, she actually had, you know, I, I had a proof made. And so, of course, she writes in it herself. But my other one, and I actually, I made two other journals. The other one I don't have with me, but it's called Courage, Hope, and Strength. And that is just a blank journal. It's a lined journal, so you can write your thoughts, your feelings, whatever. But every four pages, there's an inspirational message. For example, you got this, or power on, or, you know, just something. Um, so th that's, that's also available. But my other one I'm really excited about, too, this is the breast cancer GPS. Basically, in the very beginning, it talks about your medical history. So there's places that you can write down. Um, your surgery, oh, I love this. your dates, so. you know, your, your medications, so that when you go into your doctor, you say, and of course, you got to fill out everything. I mean, you could photocopy this. I also have it on my website as a digital download that you can purchase. Okay. So you can Excellent. actually fill in and type it. Um, and then uh, it's got questions to ask all the doctors from your breast surgeon to your oncologist, to your radiologist, to your plastic surgeon. And then there's room to ask your own questions because, of course, I'm not going to get every question. Um, but then there's tips and tricks through, through everything from surgery of what you might need, if, especially if you have to stay the night or coming, you know, coming home. But when, you're, when you come home from having a mastectomy, for example, I needed a recliner you know, that helped me tremendously. If you don't have a recliner, prop up pillows, um, you know, just things, you know, so it gives you examples. Um, going through chemo, I, I put in there hydrate and, you know, example of what, you know, make sure that's a game changer, hydrate and, and, you know, what to take with you to chemo and radiation. Like I would wear men's undershirts under my, under my clothes because I didn't want all the lotions all to get onto my nice clothes. Um, oh, that's smart. Yeah. Yeah. So like, just, it's all this, it's all this practical stuff, right. That you learn. Right. Right. Bits so, and pieces. Yeah. yeah. So I put it in there and then there's a list that, you know, there's things like, um, of, of course, just spaces that you can share your own thoughts or more questions. But then I have like a 20 week, um, calendar type thing that you can write down because of course, you now you have the chemo brain is what we call it. I probably mm -hmm. still have it cause I don't remember things. Um, but yeah, so this, this is a great book for, especially ones that have been newly diagnosed because they don't know where to start. Yeah. So this is, this is a great starter tool for them. Ah, oh, great. Wonderful. Well, you have certainly like been busy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and those are all available on Amazon. Um, all right. We will link to all of them. Uh, Marcy, I just, first of all, I was getting chills at the very beginning of your story and tearing up, hearing about your parents and your mom's reaction. Um, I can only imagine. Um, so I just, I really appreciate you coming on and sharing your story, especially really so soon. I mean, you know, you're not even at the five-year mark, so that's, no. that's really remarkable. And I know that you are already changing lives. So thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening to the Cancer Youth Thrivers podcast. If you like our podcast, give us a five-star rating and review and tell your friends about us. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you're listening right now. If you want to share your cancer journey with the world and be a guest on our podcast, go to our website, 
cancer.university. That's cancer.university. And hit the contact button or click the contact link in the show notes. You've been listening to the Cancer Youth Thrivers podcast. Real people, true stories.